Hello, and welcome to the Art of Selling Online Courses. We are here to share winning strategies and secret hacks from top performers in the online course industry. My name is Monica Badiou, and today's guest is Adrian Savage. He's a dad, a geek, a software developer, and an entrepreneur. He's also the co-founder of Email Smart, which helps businesses get more emails seen so they'll make more sales. And he's also created the unique and innovative deliverability dashboard software, which quickly and easily analyzes your email performance and helps you get even more people to see and open your emails. You can see that I'm pretty excited. He's also consulted with many well-known names, including Frank Kern, Jeff Walker, Neil Patel, Glazer Kennedy, Shark Group, and Kevin Harrington to help them improve their email performance. So today, we are going to talk about becoming email smart. But before we start learning from Adrian, I want to mention our sponsor. Today's sponsor is Data Driven Marketing. We help online course creators increase their online course revenue two to five times through strategic funnel optimization. We help you convert more visitors into leads, more leads to sales and increase revenue per sale. We do this through email marketing, webinars, tripwire funnels, and more. You can go to datadrivenmarketing.co slash calculator to find out how much more you could be making from your course with the ideal funnel. Adrian, welcome to the show. Hey, Monica, thank you so much for inviting me. Cool. So how do we avoid the spam folder? Now, that is probably the biggest question out there. And how many hours have you got for me to answer this? We've got about maybe 20 minutes to cover what can be a really complex question. But I'll do my best to keep it really, really simple. Because although you can make a career out of the whole getting emails seen, which is something that I'm doing, the good news is that it doesn't have to be complicated. So the very simple way of avoiding the spam folder is to focus on sending as many emails as you can to the people that are most likely to open them. That's the simple version, the slightly more complicated version, because that then triggers the question, okay, so who is most likely to open my emails? Then this is where we start to have to look at the data a little bit. So it's really appropriate for the data-driven marketing podcast because everything about becoming email smart and getting more emails seen is about using the data that you've got. We want to identify who is already opening our emails and we need to focus sending more emails to those people because the biggest mistake that most businesses make is they still market like it's 10 years ago. They still build this massive email list, you know, hundreds, ten thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And then they mail everyone on the list and they keep mailing everyone on the list until they either buy or they die or they unsubscribe. And that worked really well 10 years ago, but it doesn't work that way anymore. The world of email has changed massively. We've got Google, we've got Microsoft, we have got Yahoo, and they dominate most email lists. A typical email list that I analyze is going to be between 50 and 75% Google, as much as maybe 20% Microsoft, 20% Yahoo. Obviously that adds up to more than 100, but it, it's, it can depend. But they are the three main providers. And Google and Yahoo in particular, they make their money from advertising. 
So they can only make money from advertising if the emails are getting opened. So they will reward the people whose emails are opened and they will penalize the people whose emails aren't being opened. So if you've got an open rate of 5%, then that means that 95% of your emails aren't being opened and Google in particular aren't going to like you very much. So what we're all about here is maximizing the open rates, not by writing better copy, because yes, that matters, but we've got to change the way that we actually think about this. We've got to think differently because we've got to understand that not all of our email list is an asset. Actually, on our email list, we've got assets and we've got liabilities. And the assets are the people that are most likely to open your emails. The liabilities are the ones that aren't likely to open your emails. So what we need to do is we need to focus on the people that have opened recently. The more recently someone has opened your email, the more likely it is they're going to open the next email that you send to them. But then the other side of that is if someone hasn't opened an email from you for the last year, do you really think they're going to open the next email you send? This is where I often remind people of Einstein's definition of insanity, which is doing the same thing and expecting different results. But I work with so many businesses that are terrified of letting go of the liabilities on their list because there's this, there's this mindset, and this is why I say you've got to shift your thinking around this. There's the mindset that I can't let any of these people go because maybe one of them might buy something. But by continuing to mail those people, you're hurting yourself. And the more you hurt your reputation, the more likely it is that you're going to end up in the spam folder. So that's that's quite a long answer, but I've got to do it justice to make sure people really understand what the biggest reason that emails go to spam. I think this is the best exclamation I've heard about using email in a way that isn't really beneficial for you and why it's actually good to clean up your email list and to look at segments by terms of engagement. Yes. This, this is the explanation that made most sense so far. So, Excellent. So how are we triggering the spamming filter without even knowing? How are we making Google and Yahoo and Hotmail not really liking us? Okay. So the biggest reason is very much, as I've said, if you continue to send emails to people that are, that are ignoring you, then your reputation is going to suffer and you are just going to end up in spam anyway. But then apart from that, then the biggest reasons that your emails will go to spam might be that, you know, we talked about managing your engagement. So I've got a lovely acronym here for SMART. Okay, so email SMART, we're talking about being smart. So I've talked about shifting your thinking already. And then the M is manage your engagement, which I've talked about briefly. The next reason things might go into spam is because you have to authenticate your emails. If you're not authenticating them, then Google and Microsoft and Yahoo and all the other mailbox providers won't know whether the email is legitimately from you or whether it's come from some spammer who's pretending to be you. So it's very important that you set up email authentication. And the good news with that is a one-time thing that you have to do. And we'll talk about that a bit more if you've got time, but authentication matters. The R in smart is reputation. So if you've got a poor reputation, then again, you're going to end up in spam. We've talked about managing engagement, which has a direct impact on reputation, but also, and I'm sure that nobody 
watching this podcast or listening to this podcast will do this. But supposing you start trawling the internet and scraping email addresses off the internet and adding them to your email list without permission. Strangely enough, that is going to get you block listed quicker than you can say spam trap. And if you keep sending emails to people that haven't given you permission, you're going to get into trouble really quickly. And that's definitely one way that you will end up in the spam folder. And then the last thing in terms of the SMART acronym, we see the T is for transform your content. And content can make a difference as to whether you go into the inbox or into the spam folder, because it's not quite as hard and fast rules as it used to be. If we go back 10 years ago, then if you had the words get rich quick in your email or make money or free, there's all these different spam trigger words. And even today, people think that if you put certain words into your email, you're going to automatically end up in the spam folder. Now, it's it's good and bad news, I guess, because it's not that simple anymore. Google and Microsoft and Yahoo and all the other spam filter companies out there, they've invested millions and millions in artificial intelligence and natural language interpretation and all these kind of tools that actually understand more about what you're saying in your email than you do yourself sometimes. And they can tell from the way the email is written, whether it is a promotion, whether it's a phishing email, whether it's trying to you know, get you to send email to a fake prince in Nigeria, all of these things, they have so many different patterns they're looking for. So if you write the email in a certain way, it will end up in the promotions tab or even the spam folder. But if you write it more naturally and you make it authentic and sound like yourself, it's more likely to get through. So the content can make a difference as well. So there's lots of different things, but just to recap on that, then you know certainly managing your engagement is important. Authenticate your emails, keep your reputation high and transform your content. Get all those things right and you'll avoid the spam folder. Get those wrong, you're going to end up in spam. Wow. Okay. So um, you mentioned reputation and let's translate that into something that's maybe more common. Like if you do any deliverability research or if you research the World Wide Web for how do I improve my open rates, you're going to learn about spam triggers. So those words you, you mentioned. But you're also going to learn about things like your IP being blacklisted, you overwhelming the inbox with a lot of emails at the same time. And there are so many different strategies that apparently help with your deliverability and they would kind of hit all the five different things you mentioned before, like engagement, reputation, content. What do we need to focus on? Like what's the quickest way or what do we need to improve right now to get more emails seen like what's the quickest win we can implement in our email marketing strategy so that we can get less emails in spam and more emails in the inbox so this is a great question and this reminds me of something that i've said to so many clients i say it as a joke but i'm also deadly serious because I can double anyone's open rates in seconds. And the way I do it is it's very simple. I will go into their email list. I will find the 50% of their contacts that haven't opened anything for the longest amount of time, and I will delete them. I will then send a message to the remaining 50%. The same number of people will open, but of course, the open rate has doubled. And I get criticized for saying this because it sounds like it is cheating. It's not actually improving anything at all, but it really is because it triggers what I call the virtuous circle, because the higher your open rate, the better your reputation is going to be. 
And the better your reputation is, the more likely that the future emails you send are going to go to the inbox rather than the spam folder. And this actually has a massive impact because most businesses either spend a lot of time or a lot of money on lead generation. I've worked with a client recently. They're spending $5 per email address lead they're getting through Facebook ads. They spend maybe between five and $10,000 a month. And when I started working with them, the shocking statistic was that only 43% of the emails they were sending in the first month were being seen by anyone. So that meant that they were literally setting half of their Facebook ad budget on fire every single month. And then by getting them to focus on their engagement, getting them to actually work on their engagement management and remove the liabilities from their list, we've got them to the point where they're now getting 80% of their new leads engaging in the first month. So for the same investment, nothing else has changed. They're getting nearly twice as many people seeing that message. And of course, their sales have gone up as a result of that. So that's the easiest way just by literally getting rid of things, getting rid of the bad liabilities out of your email list. And that's the simplest way to do it. We actually see that with many of our clients uh, who use paid traffic to get leads. And we implement a few things in what happens after they get the lead in, because usually they they don't have a proper follow-up email marketing or any kind of engagement and building trust between what happens when they join your email list and when you hit them with the first sales message. So yeah, that's a critical aspect. Very much so. Yeah. And the other one about cleaning the, let's call it the dead weight. That's really a difficult thing for a lot of people to let go of all those numbers they've amassed over the years. So what we usually do, we create segments, engaged and non-engaged. Because the cleanup, that's not really our kind of job. We're not specialists in deliverability, but we try to learn to make sure that we do practice by the latest and most approved practices, I guess. Well, that that segmentation is really, really good because what I tend to do with a new client is I will say, right, let's create three segments of your email list. Let's create the first segment of everyone who opens something within the last 30 days. Then the second segment, everyone who opens something between 30 days ago and 90 days ago. And then the third segment, everyone who's opened something 90 days or longer ago. Mm -hmm. And then you can send the same email to each of those three segments at the same time. And what you should see is that the open rate... For the most engaged people, and obviously, you know, the way that Apple have rolled out their email privacy now, that's kind of skewed things a little bit. But you should see between a 40 and a 60% open rate if you just send to your most engaged people. Send that same email to the people that engaged between 30 and 90 days ago. And if you're lucky, you're going to get between a 10% and a 20% open rate. And then you send the same email to the people that opened something 90 or more days ago. And the worst I have seen in that segment is 2%. The best I have seen is maybe a 5 or 6% open rate. And that is really unusual. And the reason is because most people, once you get to 90 days, they've already gone, they've fallen asleep, the emails are already going into spam, or they're no longer interested. So it just goes to show there's a huge difference between the most engaged people on your list and the least engaged people. And I can understand that people will say, well, yes, but that that 90 plus segment still got a small open rate, and it did. 
But if you continue to mail lots of emails to people that aren't opening, you're going to hurt your reputation so much that the engaged people are less likely to see your emails and you will make fewer sales than if you only concentrated on the engaged people. So yes, by getting rid of those 90 plus day people, you are going to lose out on a handful of sales, a very small number. But if you continue to mail those people, the engaged people, you will lose more people the other way around so this is but it's a great way of illustrating it because once they've got those numbers themselves the client can make their own decision because you know it's not it's, it's not our job to tell people what to do but we can show them and guide them and then they can make their decision so let's say we have this scenario a client has really low open rates we try to use segmentation by engagement for know, one month but nothing really changes significantly. So if engagement, if we clean the list, we track engagement and nothing happens, what would be the next thing to do? So if you've actually reduced the people that you're sending the emails to, then mathematically it's almost impossible for that to happen. Normally the only time I see results like that are if the client has actually carried on mailing everybody. But having said that, there are certain cases where for some reason things aren't going well. Normally that's because someone might have hurt their reputation so badly already that Google is sending almost everything they send to the spam filter. So an extreme example of that was um, a coaching company I worked with. They had reached a point where their open rate with the google part of their audience was 0.5 percent because literally everything they were sending was going to spam now the good news is there's something called google postmaster tools which anyone can use it takes a little bit of setting up because you have to update things in your dns and things like that so you have to understand a little bit around how the internet works to do it but google postmaster tools will tell you exactly what google thinks of your reputation, because the reputation is linked to your sending domain. So my email domain is emailsmart.com. So anything I send from anything at emailsmart.com will have an impact on my sending domain reputation as far as Google are concerned. It doesn't matter whether that's individual emails from, from Google Workspace or whether it's using Keep or MailChimp or HubSpot or whatever, all of those emails impact your reputation and Google can set it. And this is where you have to look at the domain reputation. There's different things that Google Postmaster Tool shows you but the domain reputation is the most important one. And it can either be high, medium, low, or bad. And high is obviously great. Medium is okay. Once you get to low, then most emails you're sending will already be going to spam. If you get as far as bad, which is where this coaching client had got to, then literally everything pretty much will go to spam. And the only way you can rescue that reputation is to literally go right back to the start and only mail people that have opened emails very recently from you. And you have to make sure that you are just all you're doing is mailing those people that have opened within the last, you know, worst case, it might be seven or 14 days because you've got to really pull back to make sure that for the few emails that are getting through, you'll be getting no spam complaints. You'll be getting people seeing and opening the emails and you know, Google look for bad and good behavior. And it takes about a month of, of really good behavior before Google will start to allow you to repair your reputation. And that's the only way that you can really do it. I've had clients think, oh, that's okay. I'm just going to start, I'm going to just spin up a different email domain and send from those emails instead. But here's the thing, Google are smarter than we are and they actually join the dots because sometimes it might be that you're using the same email platform and they can work it out that way from the email headers. It might be there's some kind of wording in the emails because 
believe it or not, Google fingerprint every single email you send. And if there's some emails coming over here that sound like you, and they're coming somewhere else over here that also sound like you, Google can actually be clever enough to join the dots and put two and two together. So my coaching client who tried to spin up a second domain, on day one, their reputation was high. But then the second day it went to medium, the third day it went to low, and the fourth day it went to bad. And by day five, none of the emails they were sending from the new domain were getting through either. And they were trying to be well behaved at that point, but Google was too clever for them. So the best way to solve the problem is to always be sensible from the start and, and don't do the crazy things that can get you into trouble. And to be fair, you do have to be really either unlucky or really crazy to end up in that much trouble with Google. Yes, it happens, but fortunately not that often. So postmaster tools, right? Yes. That, that sounded scary though, but I think it's a good lesson in there. The good news, the consumer are protected and I guess brands too. And I've noticed that with many people, digital marketing has changed and it has evolved so much over the Very past much. few years, mm -hmm. but the brands and the marketing strategies, they, they lag off. It's a huge delay in terms of mentality and strategy. And we see that with a lot of people who are trying to grow their core sales, but they're kind of using tactics from the last decade and it's just not working anymore. No, absolutely. The whole world changes all the time and marketing is no exception to that. But one of the analogies that I draw with email is it's very similar to search engine optimization. Everyone wants to be on page one of Google. And no one knows what Google's algorithms are. No one knows how Google are going to decide who goes at the top and who goes at the bottom. And deliverability works the same way for that, is you're almost reverse engineering the, the algorithms. You have to say, so when I do this, what's going to happen? And there, there are changes all the time. In the, you know, in the last six months, we've seen Yahoo become much more aggressive with engagement management, as an example. We've seen that Microsoft have been a lot more aggressive around authentication. Google look at sometimes about the content. Sometimes they're just looking about the behavior of their audience. And things are changing all the time. So it does take a bit of attention to make sure that you're keeping up. But the general principles still aren't changing. The main thing is, as long as you're focusing in general on the people that have opened most recently, then that's going to make the biggest difference. So since you mentioned SEO, what are some white hat changes to improving our open rates? So one of the things that I haven't mentioned yet that can make a big difference is the, you know, we, we talked briefly about content. So let's talk about that a bit more in the emails because it does still make a big difference. It's not just what you say and the way you say it, it's even the way the emails look. Because again, Google can differentiate between a personal email and a marketing email. And if we're using any kind of email marketing platform, be it MailChimp, ActiveCampaign, HubSpot, Keep, it doesn't matter. When they send the emails, it's very clear to the mailbox providers like Google that this is a bulk email. If you send an email from Google Workspace or your phone or Outlook or whatever, it's very clear that's a one-on-one -on -one email. And those one-on-one -on -one emails are always more likely to get through than a marketing email. But if a marketing email comes from a marketing platform and it's got all these graphics and links and promotions and bold and highlights and underlines and things like that. The more it looks like a sales letter, the more it's going to be treated like a sales letter. So something that I've seen hugely successful results in recent years with is to really make the content conversational. You know, 10 years ago, then a Dan Kennedy style sales letter in an email would work really, really well. If you do the same thing now, at best, it's going to go into promotions in Gmail. At worst, it's 
it's going to go into the spam folder because it's so blatant. So we're talking a lot more about having conversational emails here where you're actually educating, you're informing, you're entertaining people. You know, by all means, you can make offers in those emails, but it's about making sure that it sounds like it's an individual email from you to the person you're sending it to. You know, the days of having great big banners at the top of the email and links, lots of social media icons at the bottom and things like that, then they're they're very much numbered because the more links you've got in an email, the more images you've got in an email, the more likely it is to be treated as a promotional email, the less likely it is to land in the inbox. But the content can make a huge difference and it is about just making sure that, you know, really you're being your, your authentic you. And the other thing that can make a huge difference as well, um, and I think you might be going to ask me something related to this, is actually the frequency that you send your emails. Is it worth covering that now? And maybe yes. you can make, ask a specific question around that and I'll kind of lead us into that from here. Yeah, you actually read my mind because while we were talking about that, I was asking, what about frequency in my head? So yeah, let's connect the dots then. For instance, something that we do with our emails, we try to make them as conversational as possible. Mm -hmm. Like it's me talking to you, Adrian, and I'm asking you questions and I'm trying to get you to say yes through those things, but it's not about, hey, do you wanna buy this? Yes. No, we talk about the problem. We try to raise awareness about it. We try to educate. We try to make each email valuable enough that even if they don't buy the actual course so they can solve their problem, they can still get a lot of value out of it. Absolutely. I know introducing a new perspective or making them realize that procrastinating about not solving their problem is still a problem. So our strategy involves 11 emails Mm -hmm. over nine to 10 days. And we teach that strategy to coaching clients. And we have a lot of resistance about it. Although in all of our case studies, this strategy works and it's actually meant to walk the subscriber through all the buyer uh, awareness phases. Because when you send an email, but I know it's 4 p.m. over here, right? I might be doing something completely different to what the email is talking to me about. So I actually need more time and more touching points to be led into awareness about the problem you are trying to help me solve. So what's the connection between frequency and getting more emails seen or moved from the promo box to the inbox. So the frequency won't really affect whether it lands in the promos or the inbox, but the frequency, the more frequent you send an email, then statistically, the more likely some of them will be seen. But I think this is one thing that we have to remember firstly, that email is not a guaranteed communication channel. So you cannot be sure that someone is going to see every single email that you send. When I've, I've done a lot of analysis on email sending frequency and how many people open each of the emails. And in February last year, I ran an experiment where I sent one email to my list every single day of February. And that was a very interesting experiment because first off, it was at that point, that was the the most successful month my business ever had. And by the end of it, more than 75% of the people that I had mailed had opened at least one email. And a lot of them had opened more than half. And I think 10% of my list opened every single email. 
in the month of February. Now, obviously, now Apple have changed it so that if someone receives the email on Apple device, it's going to look like they've opened it, whether they have or not. Or if you're using you know, certain email platforms now, then if someone reads it on Apple device and they've got the mail privacy feature switched on, then that isn't even being reported ever as an open. So you've got these kind of two problems. Um, but if we put that to one side and assume that we've still got reasonable visibility of whether some people are opening our emails, then what we've tended to see is that the more frequently you send an email, the more likely it is that some people will see something. Because there's what I call the scatter effect. And supposing you've got a 30% open rate when you send an email. The first email you send, 30% will open it. The next email, 30% will open it. But it won't be exactly the same 30%. There will be an overlap, but there's people around the outside that will see the first one and not the second. Now, if you're sending one email per month, then firstly, people aren't going to see much very often at all because people just don't open everything that comes in every day. So if you send one email a month, the chance of people seeing the emails that you send are much lower anyway. But if you send one email every single day, then the chances are they're going to see one or more of those quite quickly. And they're more likely to open them as well. And particularly if you're talking about something that they're interested in, because one of the biggest challenges we get is to get people to open the first email we send. If people don't open that first email or if they never engage in the first week or two weeks, then statistically you've lost that person forever. But let's assume that you're doing something that makes sure they're opening the first few emails you send and then you're sending them this, you know, this 11 email mm -hmm. sequence. Then as long as you are removing the people that haven't engaged before you send this 11 mail sequence out, it will be successful. You know, the worst thing you can do is send that out and see you're only getting a 10% open rate because it means you're sending out to a large part of your unengaged audience that you should have already removed. But as long as you are sending the emails to the people that have opened something recently, and for something like that where it's quite a strong promotion, I would actually say focus on the people that opened just within the last 30 days because no one else is likely to see any of those emails. They might see one, but if they haven't opened anything for the last two or three months, they're not really in rapport with you anyway. For those people, you need to send out a different email designed more to tickle them and wake them up before they're ready for lots and lots of emails. But if you focus on sending those 11 emails to the people that have all engaged with you recently, then one of three things is gonna happen. Then they'll open it and maybe do nothing because they're not quite ready yet, which is absolutely fine. Or they'll buy something. Or the other really good thing they might do is they might unsubscribe. And that's a really good thing as well because Email marketing is just like any other form of sales. A yes is okay, but a no is totally okay as well. I would rather someone unsubscribed than give me the job of having to remove them off their list because they've just fallen asleep through apathy. Much, much better to make those emails polarize your audience. They're either going to love you or they're going to unsubscribe. And if they love you, they're more likely to buy. And you can send as many emails as you want to those people because they will love you. If they don't love you, they're probably not your audience anyway. And some people who do send out an email every single day of the year, they will have a little link at the bottom of that email saying, by the way, if you only want to hear once a week from me, you can click here and I'll mail you less. So, you know, that's kind of the, the ultimate flexibility because there are a few people that might want to stay on the list for other reasons. But at the end of the day, if your subject matter is good and your audience is connected with you and you're talking about what they want to know, why wouldn't they want to receive lots of emails from you? It's as simple as that. They either want to receive emails because they're ready to be helped or they don't. And if they're not ready to be helped, and if they're not going to spend any money, they don't deserve to stay on your list. And it's much better to get them to vote with their feet. You know, you might even get a few spam complaints doing that. But again, that's okay as well, because as long as you're not getting lots and lots of spam complaints, 
you're not doing a good enough job unless you're polarizing your audience. I'm smiling because uh, it took a long time for me to feel comfortable with recommending this solution oh, yes. to people and telling them it's fine if they unsubscribe. It's totally fine. But I can totally understand how a lot of people right now are like, but I worked so hard to get these leads. And now yep. they're, they're just going to leave me. We actually had this situation and this relates to frequency and reputation and quality of the content. We had a situation with the client. Their normal unsubscription rate per promo email was 3.6%, which was crazy because they were using paid traffic to get those leads in the first place. And being the copywriter, I was actually very nervous about it. But after the first promos went out and we looked at the numbers from 3.6%, it went to 0.6% just by creating a segment for engagement and then changing the content and how we approach that person and led them through a journey because with yep. 11 emails, you have plenty of time to create a Absolutely. journey mm -hmm. and build trust and build report. And we make all the promotions connected with some kind of event or information that the audience might be aware of. I don't know if the audience cares about astrology, we're going to start that sequence with, hey, Mercury is retrograde this week. Here's what you can do about it. That's just like a silly example. But we try to make the content relevant and we try to connect our message with messages that they might be already aware of and interested Absolutely. in. Yeah, because I think that this, this is it. You know, something that I've learned recently is how to really reevaluate the core message that I'm sharing with my audience. So I talk a lot less about the technicalities and deliverability and things like that and talk a lot more about what people really want, which is to get their emails seen. They want to make sales. They want to grow their business and talk about things that they're going to naturally agree with. And then once you're doing that, it's much easier to keep people's attention and share what they really need to know going into that. But you've got to start by, like you say, guiding them on that journey. And yes, getting them to unsubscribe at the start is a very good idea if you need to qualify them out because you know even paid traffic is not perfect and sometimes you can get the wrong types of leads they might be they might be misreading the advert or anything like that and you know so it's it's always important to qualify those people out at the start and then it is it just take them on that journey and by the end of it then they're either going to be very much ready to buy the offer that you're set making to them or if they're not ready to buy at least they're still in a position where they're ready to keep taking that value from you and sooner rather than later then they're either going to buy or they might fall asleep or they might unsubscribe. But all of those things are okay because they have stuck with you. And I've got people on my who've been on my email list for years and years. They still open my emails. Some of them haven't bought anything, but they still enjoy the content that I'm sharing. And that's the main thing. I've got lots of unsubscribes as well over that time. And that's perfectly okay because they're saving me the job of having to remove them later when they've got bored and go, oh, not him again. Adrian, this was fascinating and I think it packed a lot of value and more importantly, a new perspective into the whole techie thing of like Thank deliverability you. and understanding how to do email marketing in a, well, 2022 kind of way. Before we call it 
for today's episode and I hope you'll want to be here with us again because it's fascinating and I think we've only like scratched the surface. If people want to learn more about what you do, if people want to get more tips from you on how to improve their open rates, where should they go? So I've just launched a brand new email smart score tool that will look at how people are sending their emails from their marketing platform and give you an email smart score where the higher the score, the better you're doing. And also it will explain how many new leads you're losing as well along the way. And you can get that very simple by going to emailsmart.com forward slash score. And as a little bonus on there as well, I am about to launch a new book all around becoming email smart and I'll be sharing these you know a lot of the detail that's in the book on there as well so emailsmart.com slash score take the email smart score and also look at the book around becoming email smart thank you adrian and thank you for joining us thank you for listening or watching and if you enjoyed this episode and you want to get future episodes please subscribe to whatever you listen to us thanks monica